Welcome to episode 99 of the Game Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and this is my co-host. It's Christian. On this on this week's episode, Christian and I both watched Wonder Woman 84, and we both finished the second season of The Mandalorian, and Christian read the comic uh, or graphic novel, Something is Killing the Children. But first, Christian, you and I both watched Wonder Woman 84, uh, or 1984, I guess I don't know what the technical designator of it is, but... Uh, as hinted at in our last episode, I take it that you did not care for this one. <laughs> oh man, this was so bad. This was such a bad movie. I was so disappointed. Yeah, so before before we get into this, uh, this was directed by Patty Jenkins, who also directed the first Wonder Woman, and stars Gal Gadot, Chris Pine, Kristen Wiig, Pedro Pascal, Robin, Robin Wright, and Connie Nielsen. Uh, <laughs> you were going to say Robin Williams, and I was like, man... That'd be he, quite a trick. Actually, they wished him back from the dead. <laughs> or I guess he wouldn't have been dead yet in 1984. Okay, so obviously you have, <laughs> you have thoughts about this one. And I feel like normally we kind of go plot point by plot point, but this has so much wrong with it <laughs> that I don't know if we're going to do it for that reason. Um, but my very first thought before I even turned this on was this movie is Two hours and thirty-four minutes, <laughs> which would which just put me in a sour mood with it to begin with, because no superhero movies need to be that long. This movie was eternally long. I could not believe I didn't know how long it was going in. I just I was so ready for it to be over and it was like halfway. I can cut that down to two hours and twenty-two minutes by removing the entire first scene of the movie because it has <laughs> No narrative purpose at all. Agreed. And not only does it have no narrative purpose, I think it screws up the timelines. Because I don't... I I mean, I I saw Wonder Woman again when it came back to the theater a a few months ago. So it's it's not like I've only seen it when it first came out. It's moderately fresh. But when she was a kid, her mom had, like, barred her from training and fighting because she didn't want like her secret to come out. So I don't know when this scene could have taken place. See, this is, I mean, number one, I am hazy on Wonder Woman because there's a couple parts where I'm like, did this happen? And I, I don't really remember. But also, this isn't the only thing that the movie's writers and directors got, have gotten wrong with history and timing. So it would <laughs> be on point. Yeah, no kidding. Um, That, like... The, the entire purpose of that scene, like, they had that whole reveal, not even reveal, but, like, the speech at the end about how you need to earn your win or whatever. But that didn't even, like, come to play at the end. Like, it wasn't, like, a life lesson. The only thing you saw in the background was the golden statue for that armor. That ended up not even being that special of an armor. Yeah, and then they just explain what it is, like, 20 minutes. Well, not 20 minutes, but they, they explain what it is, I don't know, like, an hour and a half later. So, it's it's yeah, it's not like it was really even that important to see at the moment. And that was the most action that happened in the movie until, like, the car chase scene. Yeah. Oh, this, my gosh. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get to the resolution, but this resolution, <laughs> the end of this movie, who? I have a question for you. Do you think Gal Gadot's a good actress? Not really. Yeah, I liked her in Wonder Woman, but I, I felt she was, like, a little stiff there, and she is fine in Justice League and Batman vs. Superman and stuff, but... 
man, I was not feeling her in this. Like, and it started with the opening narration, which just felt flat. <laughs> it did. Uh, yeah. Flat is the definitely the word for it. Like, I for sure prefer her in the Fast and Furious franchise. Yes. She dies in that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, so does a bunch of people, but then Han just came back from the dead, so who knows. That's true. Everyone's coming back except The Rock <laughs> and Jason Statham. <laughs> I would put my I would, I would put my money on out. Paul Walker coming back before that. Ooh, yikes! <laughs> <laughs> so the plot of Wonder Woman uh, is essentially there's a magic gemstone that grants wishes, but when you wish on it, it takes uh, whatever is of most value to you. That is until it becomes a person, and then he just takes whatever he wants. Yeah, and also, like, the speed at which it takes it from you is real loosey-goosey. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't I guess it, like, drains it from you slowly over time. Also, was Kristen Wiig's character's most valuable thing her humanity? Because she just became a jerk. Yeah, she apparently. Really, like, lose that much. Apparently, which, yeah, brings me to one of my chief flaws with this. Just on, like, a... Uh on a narrative perspective like yes that when diana and kristen wig first have their like main showdown in the white house which mm, <laughs> um she says something like what's it taken from you like you used to be so nice and kind and now look at you so like yeah i guess the gem took a, what was of most worth which was her compassion but then like you but the only to... scene we see her being compassionate in is when she gives that homeless guy food. Otherwise, like, we don't know enough about her to be compassionate. Like, she just seems jealous. Right. But then that that leaves the, the thing of most worth to Wonder Woman is her superpowers, which, until you learn this about Kristen Wiig, you're like, fine, of course. that That's the thing that she finds of most worth. But if it can be like an abstract concept, like your compassion, you're really telling me that like Diana didn't have anything more valuable to her than her superpowers, like her goodness, her willfulness, her memories of courage. Well, it's like the real thing would be like the real monkey's paws. He comes back to life and she doesn't remember him. Exactly. Like, yeah, it seems to me that the thing that she values most easily is her memories of, of him. And so, yeah, he comes back from the dead as, I, I don't know, like a possessed ghost. And so, oh, hold on, I got two, two things on that. Well, number one, the only way I could, I think they can narratively justify that is Diana's a god, so maybe the god's powers, like, that's all he can do from her is sap her strength, because she's special for whatever reason. But this monkey's paw, or this stone, just creates missiles out of thin air. You're telling me that they just couldn't have brought Steve back from the dead and jammed him into some stranger? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's just fabricating. It It earthbends a wall, like, around all of Egypt, I think. I feel like they would have been able to materialize Steve's body. Some Something. Like, it makes no sense. This This is... I, so, I hated this rock. I thought it was like, it's like the magical MacGuffin that you use to get out of a scenario or whatever. It's like, it's a, it's a writer's crutch. I actually like that 
at the very least at the end the world went to crap because everyone was using it and you actually saw like some ramifications but yeah, before it's, any it's of a that Bruce happened almighty situation right like but before any of that happened it was just like it had absolutely no consistent rules until you had um pedro pascal being like well i take this from you because otherwise it was just haphazard like the rock was deciding it i don't know where the rock came from they say it they say it but she mutters it under her breath and like oh it was this god and it was like a one syllable i it it was not familiar to me at all it's not like she was like oh it was hades yeah, and, I don't think it was a well-known god. I I had to rewind and put subtitles on for a couple of these, but I did not do it for that one. I was going to say, she says it under her breath. She says it very quickly and moves off, and they never repeat it. And at, at a certain point, I was like, I don't know what this is, but I also do not care enough to go back and try to figure it out. I'm just, I'm, I'm just along for this ride until it ends, I guess. Right. Oh, man. I... What did so? What did you think about the '80s aesthetic in this? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not an '80s person. I was not born in the '80s, and I have no, you know, nostalgic connection to it. Not like a, a few people that I know have, and so I didn't really care that much. Yeah, I I did not either. So I think in the last episode I had said Captain Marvel annoyed me because it was like too much 90s stuff to be like check this out it's the 90s wonder woman like lapped that with the amount of stuff they had on this to the point where i was like oh my god (laughs) i dislike this movie for this alone yeah i uh, like that's something that people always talk about with stranger things is like oh it's a a nod to 80s culture and i i guess it probably is but like i said i don't know i didn't live the 80s so i don't know enough to like absorb it in stranger things with the exception of like in the third season where it's like mall culture but yeah Mm -hmm. in wonder woman it was so aggressive yes it was uh and what i also this is another point that i just could not stand about the movie that turned me off from it was they brought a guy from 1940 who died in like 19 let's say 1945 in that area to 1984 so 40 years pretty big time jump a lot of big things have happened between 45 and 85 that would be like bringing a guy from 1980 to 2020 um and like just for perspective so it's like things are different but they're not completely different it's not like you're bringing a guy from 45 to 2020 and the things that they decided to have his mind blow by make no (laughs) sense because they existed when he was alive (laughs) Christian, I I would pause the movie and look up. Number one, escalators were invented in like 1890. (laughs) He had seen them before. The subway in New York was built in like the 1910s. It was invented in like 1904. Uh, Escalator, here we go, 1892. That's that's amazing. Like the subway scene I was kind of fine with. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure he'd seen a train. But like, oh man, it's a train underground. Isn't that cool? But the fact that it had existed for like 50 years already, I had no idea. I guarantee you by That's this amazing. time. Well, Christian, like it, like subways existed in London at this point. It was like the London Underground and stuff. Right. Like they, they had to have existed. Like New York is built on subway systems. Like, I guess if you didn't go to those places before, but I have to imagine it at some point if he was in the army 
at a higher rank than he was. Like he went to New York at some point, you know. That's so funny. The other one that was just the most ridiculous was he didn't know what fireworks were. <laughs> Christian, they were invented in somewhat of its modern form, like 200 BC for like firecrackers. Modern I was form. Say, we've had them forever. <laughs> Right. Modern form, 800 AD, or like, you know, shooting him in, into the air. And then like what we consider modern fireworks with different colors have been around since 1830. <laughs> and he just flew his plane through them. Incredible. Do you know how low he would have to be in a fighter jet to go through fireworks? It'd be, it'd be deafening to the people on <laughs> yeah, Exactly. They, they're like, don't worry, we're invisible. They won't find us and meanwhile they're generating a million decibels yes i like i'm I'm looking right now and you you brought up london underground because that's where he was he was working with british intelligence in the first movie and yeah uh the great northern and city railways deep level lines opened in 1904 right so this was not a new concept and like the scale of the people maybe but not subways are like in subway trains sure they look a little different but it I, it's not like a mind-blowing difference for that guy oh man i my my friend adam texted me at one point and said like i don't like how weird he's being with the jets oh that was my other question was he like a plane nerd in the first movie like i knew he was a pilot but not really i mean at least not that it came off yeah he he flew a biplane but he definitely wasn't like geeking out over them right and he just i mean granted he knew how to fly a plane <laughs> a plane in the 1940s but <laughs> he just picked up on flying a fighter jet i imagine that there's a little bit different you would yeah you would imagine that uh i i couldn't believe that they actually gave them an invisible jet like that is such like a campy like classic wonder woman thing that i i can't believe they actually put it in this movie so there are actually a couple um, callbacks to, like, I think the Wonder Woman, well, the Wonder Woman 80s or whatever, 90s TV show. One is the opening scene felt very much like an 80s superhero cartoon where, you know, she's helping people from getting hit by cars and stuff. And I, I didn't mind that. And the same, uh, the the very end with the other Athenian who had been kicked out, not kicked out, but left the mascara, who was um, the the old wonder woman actress like that was a cool call out so i did not hate the invisible jet like i thought it was a neat little easter egg but the ramifications for it are kind of insane for like if she can just turn things undetectable very much so which brings me to another problem invisible does not mean undetectable (laughs) and she points out that the reason that they would be shot down is due to radar and having something be invisible isn't going to affect that it's going to be it's still going to be able to be hit by radar right i think she tried to they tried to explain that way a little bit because she's like zeus hit our island for years with magic so i I assume it's some sort of like undetection magic not necessarily invisible but i do get what you mean like invisible does not mean it generally would not be detectable yeah and secondly and tying in with the point that you had just finished making, radar was invented in 1935. Right, they used it in World War II. Steve would have definitely known what it was if he was in some sort of cooperation with uh, Britain. It is literally called the invention that saved Britain. <laughs> right. <laughs> I Oh my goodness, I can't with, the, with this. <laughs> 
So, yeah, so she turns the, the thing invisible. That's one of her magic powers that she has in 1984, but then apparently doesn't have in the future in Justice League. Uh, along those <laughs> yeah. lines, she can also fly. That's what I did. did. Was she falling with style like Buzz Lightyear? Was she flying? I had I, no idea. I have no clue. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Was she gliding? Because as soon as he did that that scene in the plane where she's like, I could never learn to fly. And he says like, oh, you just have to figure out how to like read the wind or whatever. And, and she's like, oh, I don't know. And I, I'm sitting on my parents' couch and I'm like, she's going to fly before the end of this movie. I cannot. And, and I was sure that what I meant was she's going to fly a jet. <laughs> <laughs> like she's going to get her own permanently invisible jet and be like, thanks for the flying lesson, Steve. I did not expect her to full on Superman through the sky. Yeah, so this is this is where my lack of knowledge on DC comes into play because I you know I'm not a huge comic book reader, but I I've read a fair number of Marvel comics and Marvel TV, watched Marvel TV shows and stuff, so I have a much better understanding of their big heroes' powers. Uh, I don't have that with DC. The most I have with Wonder Woman specifically is with uh, just the Justice League the animated series in which she can fly. So when she wasn't flying in Batman for Superman and Justice League and the first Wonder Woman, I was like, okay, that must have just been a power they added for that show. But now they sort of brought it back. So I, I am I, I don't know if, like, canonically in the comic she can fly. I looked it up because it was bugging the hell out of me. I typed can, and then I typed the letter W, and Google auto-completed to can Wonder Woman fly. Can she? Sometimes. <laughs> Just it, see the the way I thought they would explain like, it. Yeah, it's it seems like it depends on like whoever's writing the comic at the time. Sometimes they let her fly, and sometimes they don't. There's such an easy way around this too. They would just need her to like because she's a Greek god. She gets Hermes sandals done, right? <laughs> done. You know, like there's a, there's an easy narrative decision that you can make with this of when she can and can't fly. Does she have her yeah, sandals? Because it. And and this happens anytime they do these like in between movies where it's like oh we have stories being told at the beginning and in the present but they do they go back and do it like a previously on like this is you have to then spend time retconning why something happened that had not been addressed in the present timeline so yeah like she can't she doesn't fly at all in Justice League why not I got unfortunately a very X Men feel from this which. I love some of the X-Men movies, but that timeline has been so janked up. Yeah. Uh, And that's kind of what I felt like on this one, because the entire thing about the in Batman vs. Superman um, was Batman establishing a list of metahumans that the world had never heard about before. But in 1984, Wonder Woman's actively in a major metropolitan area's mall stopping (laughs) bank robbers and in a fight in like a chaotic period in the white house like she wasn't that hidden no like she's on the news they they obviously don't like name her by name but they there's like who is this mysterious person lassoing around dc saving civilians well that's the thing is i feel like this movie tried to sort of address that but was like eh, we're not thinking about too much because they're like if some bystanders are to be believed, this woman did this. And it's like, no, there were hundreds of people who watched this woman <laughs> do this. 
Right. Like you're telling me like I did this before cell phones, but someone's eventually going to take a picture of her doing something. Yeah. So I'm curious, what did you think about the two villains? Let's start, let's start with Kristen Wiig. What did you think about Kristen Wiig acting and as a villain? I thought she was fine. I like, I've very, very slowly warmed to Kristen Wiig. She's still not my favorite person in Hollywood, but I used to hate her as an actress and I don't know. I, I like the new Ghostbusters, and I think that went a long way to, <laughs> to warming me to Kristen Wiig. I didn't hate her in this. It's a shame that she turned into a jellical cat at the end. That was oh, a, yeah. Uh, that was a huge bummer. <laughs> so I always get Kristen Wiig and Kristen Bell mixed up. I like Kristen Bell. I don't really <laughs> care about Kristen Wiig. I had to look up what she's in other than this, and I actually don't really know her that well. Um my only thing on her was she got really strong and did not question it at all until way too far into the movie. Agreed. Yeah, when when they have their confrontation in the White House, she says like, "Oh, I guess wishing to be like you came with some surprises." But yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm sure she had figured it out, but you never really get that from the like s- strange, ponderous looks she gives as she's deadlifting four hundred pounds at the gym. Right. Oh my god, that's actually another problem I have with <laughs> no with just Mar- with DC in general is so I think the closest comparison for Wonder Woman and the Marvel universe is probably Thor. They're both gods, they both super strong and whatnot, right? They have a magical weapon. Not once when I've been watching Marvel have I been like Man, that looks like an actor in front of a green screen. <laughs> Ooh, that happens a lot in this. Anytime Wonder Woman runs or, like, Kristen Wiig is lifting those things, I'm like, this is clearly fake. Like, it is not well done. Like, they need to take a book out of the Marvel play... Like, they need to take a page out of the Marvel playbook to make your superheroes look actually like superheroes and not look like I'm watching some YouTuber in front of a green screen. I haven't... the, the Justice League is worse, but I haven't experienced, like total green screen total green screen awareness like this since i watched the justice league movie it was so bad. like when she, they do her like running at super speeds which is 40 miles an hour <laughs> like her her shoulders don't even move. <laughs> <laughs> i didn't notice that i i noticed it when she was flying i noticed it in the in the gym scene i i noticed it here and there elsewhere but yeah yeah like in the Justice League movie at the beginning, when Ben Affleck goes to get Aquaman from Alaska or wherever he is, he wanders out into the the bay, and the background is so egregiously, obviously green screen. It like it gave me like whiplash. I was fully taken out of the movie, and like I said, that that hasn't happened since until this movie, dude. And then I have you, watched you... some. I have watched some much lower budget action movies than this in the ensuing years dude and on that and you were talking about her chris and wig turning into a jellical cat i have not seen i mean the when i watched that i immediately went to marvel's my least favorite marvel movie where i was like that reminds me of like abomination and just that (laughs) terrible cgi that was with that it was so bad it was rough and like i knew it was coming because i'd seen her in the preview and it was still somehow worse yeah, I also, and this, again, I don't know enough about DC Comics, but I played Injustice 2, which has Cheetah as a character, and I got some backstory on her. 
I don't think that's anywhere near the backstory of Cheetah. So. Oh, I'm no, I'm sure it's not. She's she's some kind of like queen in the Amazon or something, isn't she? Yeah, some like something like that, or she has a magical necklace or something. But it is not that. Well, let me ask you a question. Why did she turn into a cat person? Uh, I mean, the only explanation I have is they're like, well, we need Cheetah, and Kristen Wiig doesn't want to do <laughs> do cats <laughs> CG the whole time, so we'll just do it at the end when she's like, I've lost all my humanity. I want to be an apex predator. Right, but like, why? I have pa- no idea. Pedro, yeah, Pedro Pascal. Okay, so <laughs> Pedro Pascal hijacks a U.S. I don't know satellite program. That is built to hack TV transmission, like TV and radio. Not just TV, Christian. It, like, changed computer screens, which made (laughs) no sense because they have no receivers in them for that. Yeah, all monitors. And the way that terrible actor Ronald Reagan explained this is that... Was that supposed to be Ronald Reagan? It had to have been Oh, my gosh. I thought they just chose... You know, they're reconning the U.S. presidency. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. It, it seemed like they went, like, halfway, and they were like, we're never going to say his name, but, like, wink and nod, like, come on, it's oh, Reagan. Now that, now that you say it, I do see it as a bad Reagan <laughs> impersonator, but it did, I did not think of that when it happened. So he explains it by saying that these satellites send a beam of particles into every screen or speaker in the world, and so you can project whatever you want into it. And then Pedro Pascal decides, oh, you said the word, you said it touches them all. Well, that just means that then I can use my magic power to touch everybody in the world and grant all their wishes. And I'm sitting there like, A, he obviously meant touch as a metaphor. <laughs> right. These these particles are not physically, like you are not bathing the entire planet in a blanket of like magic particles. It is a it- signal. And even if, like, they were touching it... Oh, my, I'll let you finish your part. Well, then, the the second bit, then, is he decides, okay, then I can put myself into that. But he doesn't. No. He gets on, he gets on camera. And, and so, at a certain point, he does, like, climb into the beam or whatever, which I, I really thought might just, like, ex- like, disintegrate him, but it doesn't. And and so yeah, maybe sure at that point he's standing in the beam, so he's touching all of the world, but that's not how that scene goes. And while he's granting all these wishes, he's taking everybody's like rage and I, I don't know what else he says, like rage and talent and fury, and he gives it all to Kristen Wig. But at no point does he say, like, I'm gonna take all your like fur and cat like features right G- giving somebody all of the rage of the world doesn't turn them into a cat person yeah man i don't i like i i thought he was tr- i mean i didn't pick up on him giving chris and wig that stuff i thought he was like trying to because he was his body was degrading like he was trying to re re like it reinvigorate his health oh he does that too yeah but okay. at a certain point he says like i'll take your fury i'll take your cunning or whatever and then he points at her and says and i'll give it to you Gotcha. I, I missed that part. My, oh my gosh. I So number one, I actually love Pedro Pascal in this, but the entire I plot point with the, the rock was the entire thing was you have to touch it because once he took it, he made a big thing about touching everyone, right? 
And then all of a sudden, in one scene, he's like, what if everyone touched each other and then I touched their hand? I don't know if that'll work, but we'll go for it. (laughs) And they went from that to basically him broadcasting. It would be no different than if he did, like, because they weren't touching each other. Like, those particles did not intermesh them like a spider web. It would basically be like if a bunch of them were touching a chain and he was touching the other end. That would not work <laughs> under the previous examples. Nope. No, and that's and that's what I mean. Like when he said when when Bad Reagan says we send out a wave of these particles and they touch all of the electronics, like that is so obviously a metaphor. Like it's a signal. There is no physical contact. He could he didn't even need to take over the US. He already had commercials playing everywhere. Right? No <laughs> problem. Done. Right? Like Oh my gosh. And he was good in this. I, I will agree with that. He was good in this. I thought He's Kristen by... Wiig, when she was being evil, I thought she was good in this. Like, she played a good bad guy. And they they just, they did the two of them so dirty in this movie. I, I actually think Pedro Pascal is the best villain Marvel has had since, like, well, in the new iteration when they're trying to get the DC universe and stuff together. Um, I thought he was great. He, you know, you kind of got where he was coming from and all that stuff. Uh, he was somewhat sympathetic. He wasn't like, he wasn't overpowered himself. He just made everything like around him crazy, uh, which I think is a good juxtaposition because normally it's, you get like superpowered people just punching each other in DC movies. So it was, it was definitely led to a different climax than I was expecting because, I thought they were, he was just going to wish to become all powerful or something, but they didn't go that route, and I appreciated it. And he was amazing in this. So let's talk about the climax, I guess, if we have to. Yeah. How did this movie resolve? How did, how were the problems solved? That's that's what I don't understand. Is like the entire thing was she said, if you renounce your wish, it, everything will go away, but the world was still under major like catastrophes has had happened and everyone just renounced their wish through the particle because she put the lasso of truth which at one point she said she could show you the truth so i kind of get that but was everyone seeing the truth or just pedro pascal right so when they discover like what god created this and they're in that weird guy's back room and she says the only way to stop this is to destroy the gem or for every single person who'd made a wish to renounce their wish. Mm-hmm. Everyone. And there is no chance in hell that every single person on the planet who had made a wish renounced it. I don't care if they're shown the truth. There are certain people who don't care. Right. <laughs> like, you can show someone the consequences of their actions are terrible, but if their actions have given them something that they want. They will not care. And so, and so I'm not, I'm not saying the majority of people, I'm not even saying like guaranteed. Most people would have renounced, but there, there is a 0% chance that every single person who made a wish said, no, never mind, I can live without that. Right. And that, that's honestly the direct, I thought they were going in the direction where Pedro Pascal was actually going to sacrifice himself. Um, to fix everything that he had done once he realized his son was in danger. That would have made sense. Uh, well, that would have made more sense. Right, like he used the stone's power and to fix it, and, he, you know, what it takes is it takes his life. Or, you know, something like that. Instead, he had, like, no repercussions for his actions. <laughs> yeah, instead he says, I renounce my wish, and then he runs away to go hug his son, 
but his wish was to become the stone. So right. what what happened? Did the stone become a stone again? Did it <laughs> did it disappear? Because if the stone's gone now, then okay. But that's never explicitly stated. He just says, I renounce my wish and he leaves. And Wonder Woman's like, uh, I did it. Christian, not only does he leave, the air, like whatever presidential helicopter he took there flies him back. <laughs> he flies him back <laughs> after, he has, after he has given up all his power somehow. Right. After, after, after Bad Regan has also re- renounced, you, you are shown that Bad Regan does renounce his wish, which is for... Pedro Pascal to be treated like the president. So yeah, who knows how the hell he got back to the mainland? No, no, no. His his wish was to have more nukes, and Pedro Pascal took from him the power of the president. Oh right. Well, okay, but, but still, but the, it, way, it, yeah, it still that... matches. Like he should have been gone. Dude, we haven't. We've talked a lot about this. We're like thirty minutes in, and we haven't even <laughs> touched on the terrible portrayals of Egypt. Who? <laughs> Yeah, there's some dark stuff in this movie. <laughs> they portray Egypt as basically modern day Afghanistan, and Egypt is not that. No, yeah, there's some real dark stuff. They 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 do that. They, uh, I mean, I guess it's kind of historically accurate, but yeah, like they make the. I, I don't even think he was the leader of Egypt. I don't really know who that guy was, but they they make him wish that like all the infidels were cast out of his country. There's a a woman who wishes that like all the Irish people would get sent back to where they came from. Like I was really surprised at some of those choices. I feel like that Irish one might have happened. I'm not too uh, up t- up on my Northern Ireland, um, you know that entire issues. I feel like that might have been in the 80s though. But yeah, I, don't I mean, know. I'm, I'm I I think the timeline matches up. I was just I was shocked that they Check put they something there. like that in the movie. I want to say two things because they talk about oil a lot in this movie. Uh, number one, this is, I think, just very funny. Um, so his <laughs> his entire plan was apparently to con people in somehow con people into buying a bunch of worthless oil land in Texas that came like all of them came up dry. If he had waited 20 years, he legitimately might have struck, you know, black gold <laughs> because once they got more techniques, like there are huge shale plays and all this stuff in Texas. So he actually might have been ahead of the curve on that. The the next problem I had was, and I don't know enough about Egypt, but I don't think Egypt's like not in the Middle East. It's an African country. I, they're not known for oil. Yeah, I mean, it it could be one of those that I'm just ignorant of it. But yeah, when when I think well, yeah, when I think oil, I do not go to Egypt right away. I think uh, you think Saudi Arabia, Saudi which Arabia, they said in Iraq. the movie, he's like we sold all of our oil to Saudi Arabia, which I I. I don't know enough, I guess, about this history, but I don't think Egypt at one point owned Saudi Arabia's land. No, that, yeah, that seems not correct. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. That's one of those where I want to do more research, but I'm also like, it doesn't sound right to me why he would go to Egypt for this. No, and it, I, I don't know, again, if it was just that's where that guy was at the time, but it, it certainly seemed like that's where he was from and, and centered. Yeah, so... We we haven't talked about the fact that she does give up on her wish to to have yeah. Steve's ghost back. Well, that's the thing. I was actually like a good superhero moment. Oh my god, we haven't even talked about the implications of a ghost like yeah. in another guy's body. Agreed. <laughs> oh my god, there's so much wrong with this movie. Because she definitely has sex with that man's body, and he is not really there for it. 
Yeah, I mean, but then but uh, then they get they, they have a, they have a meat cute at the end for some reason. Beyond that, Christian, they almost kill that man's body several times. I would be more worried about that if I was at, him. At yeah, at no point do they say like maybe we shouldn't be putting this person in jeopardy. She's it's just not, like, come on, Steve. It's such a weird choice because the writers. Cho- like they chose to have him inhabit some random person's body solely for that me cute at the end because again the stone could have just brought him back to life yeah the stone has shown having such a wide range of of powers it could have so easily just made his body oh boy so <laughs> christian do you know how the how the uh how the critics like this one uh critic score has this at a 60 percent on rotten tomatoes audience inexplicably has it at a 74 I mean, I know somebody who has watched this probably three times, and uh, it, it makes me sad to think about. Uh, this is this is the first one we've had budget for in a while because, well, yeah, because or at least like an actual movie that is currently playing, two hundred million dollar <laughs> budget, box office one hundred eighteen point five million, which actually surprises me with a lot of movie theaters like being shut down right now. Right. Yeah. So it's doing well. I mean, our movie theater's opening again on Friday, and we're getting this, and I'm pretty excited for all the people to come in, and, and uh, every now and then I, I get really excited for a movie that people are, I know are going to come in and say, did you see it? How was it? <laughs> did um? Do you think you would have enjoyed this more if you saw it in a movie theater? No. Okay, I was just I think, curious. Like... I think it would have been more fun. Like, it would have been a, 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 a larger scale, like, production. But all of the plot points are still going to stand. It's it's still going to be just dumb. Yeah. So would you recommend our audience check this out? No. <sighs> yeah. It's I, hard because I, I, like, even like I want to say yes because it's part of this universe and you want to get all the pieces. But like, no, it's not worth it. I, I definitely don't dislike this as much as you because um, you really put this as one of your worst movies of 2020 and I, I don't feel like that I just think this is another bad DC superhero <laughs> movie I, I don't think it's like insanely terrible I think it has some really bad choices uh, and terrible like narrative inconsistencies and all that stuff but like I don't think it's one of the worst movies it's just generic and bad um, I, just, I couldn't believe Patty Jenkins made this movie because I thought she did such a good job on Wonder Woman one. I was I was really excited for this. Yeah, uh, I would not recommend anyone watch it though. So. <laughs> okay, Christian, you and I both finished the second season of The Mandalorian. Just real quick, this is the two main executive producers on this of any importance are John Favreau and Dave Filoni. There are more, but they're like the two showrunners, more or less. Uh, and it has eight episodes on Disney+. Plus. Uh, I was just going to go through episode by episode real quick, and we can kind of recap what we like, didn't like about them. Uh, and full spoilers in this. Heads up to listeners. Um, so what did you think of episode one? That's the episode where they go and fight the giant sandworm thing. Oh, uh, maybe my favorite episode of the season, actually. Yeah, I, like much like the first season, that episode felt like a Western. And I think that's when this show's at its best. Exactly. That's my, my favorite episode of season one was the the one that was basically just seven samurai. And that's mm-hmm. that's exactly how I felt about this as well. Like it, 
It had Timothy Oliphant, who I'm pretty sure I'm on record on this podcast saying, finding out that he was in this was the only reason I bought Disney Plus again <laughs> to watch <laughs> Mandalorian. Uh, yeah, I I loved his character as the Marshal. I thought the the crate dragon was a a good like monster. I really enjoyed this episode a lot. Yeah, I, I thought this was a good one, and we get the hint about Boba Fett still somehow being alive. <laughs> Never really addressed. Uh, so what did you think about episode? So I will give you, I'll go first on this one. Episode two, uh, is, uh, Mando basically giving safe passage to a lizard woman. They can't use hyperspace because she has eggs and then they get trapped in a cave with spiders. This is by far my least favorite episode of the season. I could not stand the lizard person. Uh, and also baby Yoda just kept eating her children, which I think is horrifying. And they never really address it because she's like, these are my, like, I, this, if I don't like get these here, my entire lineage dies out. And Yoda ate like seven of them. It's <laughs> never addressed. There are yeah. no repercussions for him committing kind of a genocide. It's consistently used as a joke because when he first did it, I, I was like, oh, he's feeling the force of the life beings. And then he just starts popping them like beaded eggs. <laughs> unreal He's I, a this monster. is also one of my least favorites i don't like spiders and so i didn't really like this episode just on principle yeah uh, but it was yeah it was just kind of dull yeah not like it didn't have a lot of narrative implications it just kind of moved the story along that the the new republic does not hate him even though they're not willing to help him when his ship is clearly destroyed <laughs> Uh, episode three finishes that journey and we get into him actually finding out about other Mandalorians. And I like, this has some implications later in the season, but I think this is actually going to have major implications on later seasons. Or if, if these Mandalorians even get their own show, I wasn't really paying attention to when they release the show schedules. Uh, I don't think this was one of them, but yeah, he meets Bo-Katan who I guess is a, a major character from the animated series is, uh, she's also looking for, general thrawn who is a major antagonist from one of the animated shows so no no i thought ashoka was looking for thrawn oh you're right it was ashoka that was mad that's my bad she Um, yeah bo katan was looking just for the dark saber yes yes because that's the symbol of mandalorian which i don't know enough about the dark saber i I remember watching like a clone wars episode about it and was important but I, i just don't know a ton about it yeah, I I keep meaning like now that I still have Disney Plus, I I sh- really should go back and watch Clone Wars and and Rebels, but it's oh man, that's that's like a ten season commitment. Yeah, I tried, man, and the, it's what I, what's unfortunate about that is I hear the later seasons of Clone Wars are what's good, and yeah, like the first two seasons are the worst, and those they're so hard to get through. That hurts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I thought it was cool seeing some other Mandalorians out there and you learn that not taking off your helmet is entirely just like the cult of the Mandalorians that Pedro Pascal is in, not the actual like creed. <laughs> and then a bunch of them just don't care about it at all. Right. Uh, episode four, we get fan favorites back. And again, this like much like last season, I feel like this episode one's good and then it kind of floats along until the last episode's. Mm-hmm. Uh, season episode four is him, Cara Dune, and Carl Withers, basically just attacking an like an Imperial outpost and finding out that uh, Grand Moff Tarkin or whatever his name is, Moff, uh, what is his name, Moff Moff Gideon, is I think doing clones for the Emperor, but I wasn't entirely sure on that. 
Ooh, yeah, that's that's a thought. I hadn't really that's considered my, that. That's my guess because they showed like Snoke in the beginning of Rise of the Skywalker, or Palpatine had like vats of Snoke pieces around him. That was my guess, but I I didn't know for sure. Okay, I'm okay. I'm I'm into that. I I was operating under the assumption that Moff was just trying to give himself force powers. Oh, that's maybe why he, he was kept trying to get uh, like Yoda blood, but no, I I, I do think that's a, a good theory because he kept saying about like, oh, we need his blood for like more trials, and that that would be a good bet because yeah, Palpatine would need some kind of like a force sensitive body. Yeah, that's what I. But otherwise, like that maybe has larger implications. But it, like for this season, it was kind of a, I don't know, not that important of an episode. <laughs> Uh, the next episode, which uh, what this one might have been my favorite of this season, when Ashoka or not Ahsoka comes back, uh, I like this one a lot. The only real narrative implications was she revealed that he needed to find another Jedi, and he got the um, the Beskar uh, spear. But mm-hmm. that I when you said like very seven, the first season had like seven samurai esque stuff. Like this was definitely felt like a uh, Kurosawa to me with two people coming into town to save the townspeople from oppression. Like agreed. I, I really enjoyed that one. This episode was also great. Like the, I, I did fully enjoy this for somebody who has not watched the animated shows and wasn't like super hype about Ahsoka coming in. I really loved this episode. If, if I didn't like Timothy Oliphant so much, this would probably have been my number one. What's interesting about these ones to me is I actually think episodes like this lend itself to be more true to the original star Wars. Like the first star Wars, a new, a new help. I mean, we get episode four, uh, was heavily like, no, it's not a one for one reshoot, but you know, it was heavily inspired by the Kurosawa movie, the hidden fortress. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's cool to see throwbacks to other Japanese cinema, uh, in, you know, years after this had originally come out right uh let's see here we're on the next episode i was when we actually see boba fett it's definitely still alive uh and that's basically the only thing that happens other than baby yoda is is captured (laughs) boba fett coming back in with his armor though was very cool i did enjoy that yeah, and they did a good job of distinguishing Boba Fett, the other Mandalorians, and Mando because with the different armor styles and stuff, mm-hmm. just because they could have all really blended together. <laughs> uh, and then these last two are really fresh in my mind because I watched them today. Uh, episode 7, we see Bill Burback of them infiltrating a Imperial outpost to find where Baby Yoda is. And this one was just an interesting episode. Uh, because you see local, like, you know, the Outer Rim style areas where the New Republic isn't, and you still have freedom fighters fighting them, and then the Imperials' ideas of, like, what is it worth a sacrifice and stuff, like, 10,000 lives isn't much to them when you're, especially when you're thinking, like, of an intergalactic war, the trillions of lives probably involved. I like this episode more than I thought I would. I was not excited to have Bill Burr back because I didn't really like him in the first season, but I thought he was great in this episode. Yeah, his character definitely seemed different in this episode. And and like you, I did not like him in the first season. I liked him in this one. Um, And then the final episode, and this is the most spoiler heavy, and this is probably my second or third favorite episode of the season, is basically the rescue of Baby Yoda and the reveal that Luke Skywalker is going to train him. 
I don't know how I felt about Luke coming back into this. I like this because Luke Skywalker in the now Legends universe that used to be called the Expanded Universe was supposed to be like one of the strongest Jedis ever. Uh, he was overpowered to an insane degree. But with everything retconned, we actually don't know how strong Luke is. <laughs> and so like with the sequels, he looks kind of like a chump because he just disappears and then he has a projection. Like we never see him really lift a lightsaber to fight. In this one, we actually get, I think, an intentional and very cool juxtaposition to Darth Vader uh, at the end of Rogue One, where he comes in, it's just the light, and he just mows down these people. And we get a very, like, maybe it's not a, you know, like I said, a reshoot of it, but it felt similar with him going through and just mowing down these robots that showed, like, Mando had a hard time killing one of them, and he takes out, like, a battalion of them. (laughs) I do think it's funny that I, I feel like they introduced the Dark Troopers just so they could have Luke come in here and massacre them. And Very possible. Would have to, nobody would have to grapple with the fact that like Luke is just killing people left and right. Right, I mean, very possible. But I, I did like that we got to see him actually being like, okay, Luke is a very good Jedi because otherwise we see him kind of beat Darth Vader but lose to Palpatine and force project himself across the universe. Yeah, That's all we have otherwise. Really just set loose. I, I did enjoy that. What I thought was going to happen was Grogu was going to have spent so much time with Moff Gideon and then the Dark Troopers were going to come in. And to to save Mando, I, I wanted uh, Baby Yoda to do Force Lightning. Yeah, I like. I mean, Baby Yoda is 50-something years old at this point also that we're not touching on. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, just, I, I really thought that he was like, oh, well, these, these are robots. Yoda's gonna electrocute them and it's gonna be super cool yeah like I I do think they tied up the baby Yoda angle and I am curious if we'll get a season three because they're clearly setting up stuff but they, they this definitely seems like that chapter's closed I agree and and I had this conversation with my mom too because she was like oh I, I guess it's over because it I mean it ends with the the you know the way marvel properties say like oh so and so will return and it it ends with them saying like the book of boba fett is next yeah but it it ends with loose ends not tied up so unless they're going to deal with them in the boba fett series like bo katan still now technically has to kill uh the mandalorian to like become the leader of mandalore Right, and if if that that thread wasn't still out there, I would think they would be closing it up. But because that's there, I imagine they're going to have to address that. I did really like that scene, actually, where he comes in with the Darksaber and she's got, like, the the what-the-hell face. And uh, Gideon explains what the rule is, and he says, you know, she has to defeat you in combat. And he just looks at her and was like, all right, I yield. (laughs) Right, like, (laughs) here, take it. I I don't want this. right oh man it was just so like it was so matter of fact and funny to me just (laughs) okay i yield i will say christian that the mandalorian i get the joy i get out of watching the mandalorian is what i wanted from rise of the skywalker and as more of the years pass i really think disney botched the sequels like they did not have a unified vision like they do with the marvel properties and like 
I think they shot themselves in their foot with it. Like they rolled it out too quickly or they, they didn't plan enough or lock directors in or whatever. But like, oh my gosh, I like the potential where we could go from this to where everything ends up with Luke trying to kill <laughs> Ben Solo and oh my gosh, Snoke and the Emperor coming. Like it's just it makes me angry. Not angry, but you know, it disappoints me. Yeah. Ray's dad being a failed Palpatine clone is one of the dumbest things that uh my my unpopular and like deeply unpopular Star Wars opinion is that I think the best Star Wars is The Last Jedi. Of the sequels or of every movie? Of all of them. Oh, yeah, that is unpopular. <laughs> like, I, I like Empire, I like New Hope, I like Return of the Jedi, but th- those were before my time. I, I didn't really experience them as they happened. And so they're always, like, a set apart for me. And I grew up with the, the prequels, so they're kind of special to me, but they're objectively bad. And... I, yeah, I just, I really, really liked The Last Jedi. I liked almost every choice they made, with the exception of introducing Benicio Del Toro and then doing nothing with him. I I really enjoyed The Last Jedi a lot. It has my favorite scene in any Star Wars by a mile. Uh, is that the final fight scene or the escape scene from the casino? <laughs> <laughs> it's the escape from the casino. No, it's uh, the, the That's my maneuver. super unpopular opinion. Best oh, God, scene in yeah. Star Wars. Trash. That I will I will openly admit that the casino sequence is dumb. It's it, it seemed like I mean we're a little off track, but it, it seemed like the casino sequence was supposed to set up Benicio del Toro as like an antagonist in episode nine. And then when they gave it back to JJ Abrams, he just made the episode nine that he was planning on making anyway. Oh yeah, so so we just do not get bogged down because we're almost an hour in, but I, I completely agree with you. I I generally like the fight, like the Luke fighting scene at the end, but uh, they just kill they kill the sequels by not planning it. Like they either should have locked Abrams down for three movies, or they should have forced him to not just retcon a movie that came out two years prior. Right. the the best Yeah, the best description I ever got of the sequels was that J.J. Abrams made the ninth episode, the sequel to the eighth episode that he never made. Well, that's what I—that's entirely what it feels like—is J.J. Abrams had a clear trilogy idea, didn't do eight, and instead of like f- trying to change his idea from what eight was, was like, eh, I'm just going with what I have. <laughs> uh, like in his in his eight, the Emperor is revealed to be alive and behind Snoke. Like that's entirely like that's what eight is in my mind from J.J. Abrams, and yes. that didn't happen. He's like, we'll put it in the scroll. <laughs> Um, so would you recommend our audience check out uh, season two of the Mandalorian? I would. Yeah, I, I had fun with it. I, I did enjoy watching this, even if I had staunchly said I'm not buying Disney Plus again. I, I think it was worth it. Yeah, I mean, Mandalorian is the best thing on Disney Plus, in my opinion. Uh, and honestly, I, I said this before. I think all the best stuff in Star Wars is the side everything that's on the side and not the actual movies and this continues me thinking that like it's well, you, solid you may have to bite your tongue on that uh this is the best thing on disney plus because wandavision's coming out in a couple of weeks i mean i haven't watched it is that supposed to be good yeah, i mean it looks terrible it's it's okay. about it's about uh scarlet witch and vision living in like a tv world gotcha yeah oh boy i mean i'll talk to you about some of this after the episode because we're <laughs> 
So Christian, this week you have been reading the comic shorts, Something is Killing the Children. What? I have, I've not heard of this one. What is this? Yeah, so I discovered this on a TikTok. Uh, there was a, a TikTok <laughs> I saw that was like, hey, if you want to get into comics but you don't want to get into Marvel and DC, here's some cool things you can read. And this was the first one on the list. And I, I'm really happy I, I finally picked this up after like a couple weeks of just thinking about it. It's great. <laughs> it's it's uh, written by uh, James Tinian the fourth it's uh, the artist done by werther del adera and i i got so sucked into this so fast i was sucked in by like the end of the first page and these are kind of classic comic books so they're short they're only like 18 pages or something like that and there's only 13 issues so i tore through all of them in about two hours so it looks like this is by Boom Studios, who I, I don't know enough about comics, but I'm going to guess that they're somewhat of an indie or at least not one of the big two. They're not as big as Marvel or DC, but looks like they have some um, franchises like uh, Garfield and Adventure Time and stuff to their name. But how? So you found this on TikTok, you said? Yeah, it was, it's just some random person that was like, hey, do you do you want to get into comics, but you don't feel like reading about superheroes? Here are some, like, boom, 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 here's some suggestions. And I just, for whatever reason, was like, yeah, all right, sure. <laughs> nice. Uh, what is the basic premise of it? Uh, this is about a small town in Wisconsin. I think it's called Archer's Point. And kids are either going missing or turning up, like, brutally killed, like, ripped apart. And... Uh, it turns out that there is a monster that lives in the woods uh, outside town. And it, it kind of centers at first around this boy who takes his friends out to like the, basically the woods in his backyard. And then only he survives and he comes back and he's like traumatized by what he saw. And so there is like a shadowy organization called the St. George that sends this woman named Erica Slaughter to, to town to kind of deal with the the monster because that's her job she's a professional monster hunter uh, i'm looking at the art I, I think the art in this is real cool um what, so sorry um where, where, where are you reading this at i was just reading this on kindle there most of them are on kindle for just like a couple bucks i think five six dollars so i was just kind of crushing them one at a time Gotcha. Do you think you're going to keep following it? Yeah, I'm really excited. Like I said, there's only 13 issues out right now. I know thir- uh, 14 and 15 are forthcoming. I don't know if the story continues after that. And mm. I'm I'm kind of of two minds about whether I wanted to. Like, I can feel the story that they're telling wrapping up. But they built a mythology in, in a very short time that's limited, but it's really exciting. And part of me wants this to just be a one and done. Like, this was a great story. I'm glad I read it to its conclusion. And part of me just wants this to never, ever end. <laughs> I, I know how you feel. I out. used to, I mean, this isn't one-to-one, but I used to read a ton of web comics in the 2000s. Um, and some of them were really well done. Um, and it's just one of those things, like, they're great to read something that is not a major property. Mm-hmm. So would you recommend our audience read this? Absolutely. Like, I'm not a very big comic book person. Like, my favorite author has put out graphic novels, and I have not even read all of them. I, just, I sometimes I just can't get into them. But like I said, this sucked me in really fast. Like by the end of the second or third page, I was fully invested. 
All right. I might check those. Uh, they actually look really good. I might wait till they, if they're, I mean, they'll have to do a collection once all 15 are out, I imagine. There's, yeah, that's that's another reason I think there's only going to be 15. There's already two collections out, and it's one through five and six through ten. All right, guys, now it's time for our uh, updated Amazon review game. We're doing the one star Amazon review game. I have three one-star reviews for a movie from Amazon. I will read one of them to Christian, and he will get two yes or no questions to help him narrow down what the movie is. He can either then guess or ask for another review, uh, two more yes or no questions, uh, guess or one more review, and then he will get two more questions, and he will have to definitely guess. And we will be keeping score this year uh, for getting it on the first review. Christian will get three points, two points for the second review, one point for the third review, and zero points if he misses it. Christian, are you ready for the one-star reviews? I'm not just ready, I'm excited. All right. So there were 17,817 global reviews for this, of which only 262 were one-stars. First review. I found this movie offensive. If you read about this man's life, you would know that they did an injustice in what they put on the big screen. He and his family had amazing lives. He had contact with his family. Some of the movie puts in outright lies. There was nothing about his early life or teachers or his father, which were significant figures who shaped him. The movie appeared to have an agenda for today's issues. Manipulation to get you riled up. Not enough about his life. Got a theory. Did this win an Academy Award? Yes. For, I guess I should have said that this one an Academy Award for Best Picture. Uh, did this movie have Viggo Mortensen? Yes. Oh, yes. Is it Green Book? It is Green Book. I can't believe I got... <laughs> I thought I, it would at least take you to the second one. You got halfway through that review and I was like, I don't know why. I'm sure it's Green Book. <laughs> <laughs> Alright guys, thanks for tuning in to the episode. If you would like to contact us, we are at Gambots Network on Twitter. Uh, also, you can email us at gambots.blog at gmail.com. We have a website now that's gambotsnetwork.com where we have some reviews up uh, as well as older episodes of the podcast. We're going to be updating that this year as well. We kind of fell off, but I got some reviews in the pipeline for that that we probably aren't going to talk about on the show. And finally, if you're listening somewhere where you can rate and subscribe, we'd appreciate it as that does help with our advertising. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Thank you.